A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve for Saul, whom I have rejected as king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen my king from among his sons. But Samuel replied, How can I go? Saul will hear of it and kill me. To this the Lord answered, Take a heifer along and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I myself will tell you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I point out to you. Samuel did as the Lord had commanded him. When he entered Bethlehem, the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and inquired, Is your visit peaceful, O seer? He replied, Yes, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So cleanse yourselves and join me today for the banquet. He also had Jesse and his sons cleanse themselves and invited them to the sacrifice. As they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature, because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, because he sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. Then Jesse called Aminadab and presented him before Samuel, who said, The Lord has not chosen him. Next, Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any one of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to them. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold, and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, There, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. When Samuel took his leave, he went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have found David my servant. I have found David my servant. Once you spoke in a vision, and to your faithful ones you said, on a champion I have placed a crown, over the people I have set a youth. I have found David my servant. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, that my hand may always, that my hand may be always with him, and that my arm may make him strong. I have found David my servant. He shall say of me, You are my father, my God, the rock, my savior and I will make him the firstborn, highest of the kings of the earth. I have found David my servant. Alleluia, alleluia. 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 
Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we may know what is the hope that belongs to our call. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God with Abiathar, was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priest could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you. Today, in these past few days, we've been going through these dramatic readings of the most critical time in salvation history in the Old Testament. We have these readings from 1 Samuel. And today we're told that God has rejected Saul, the current king, the first king, and he's going to choose a new king. And he sends Samuel to the house of David to Jesse in Bethlehem uh, to anoint him. So he says, I have chosen my king from among the sons of Jesse of, of Bethlehem. He sends Samuel down there to anoint him. And the twist, the surprise, is that of the eight sons, uh, the youngest, David, is anointed king. That's God's choice. It would make sense that the older brothers uh, would be more suitable, maybe wisdom, experience, etc., more suitable leaders, but God's choice is David. And he tells him, you know, man looks at the appearances, God looks at the heart. And he tells, he tells Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his height or statue because I've rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So at the beginning of the passage today, we're told that he rejected Saul, and he's doing something new here. Saul was a tall, handsome guy, successful warrior against the Ammonites, and even was numbered among the prophets at one time in the scripture. But there were failings on his part. He takes upon himself the role of the priest to offer sacrifice, he, he utters rash oaths and curses that uh, mar an Israelite victory over some of their enemies. He fails to execute the ban, or this ban of destruction, they call it, this harem, that he was supposed to destroy all the Amicalites and all the people there, and he fails to fulfill God's command through Samuel, this prophetic command. So we see the kingdom is torn from 
Saul's hands. David is known, he has, we'll see throughout his life as a king, that he has this fidelity, this faithfulness. The Jewish, the Hebrew word is hesed. He's faithful to the covenant. He does not commit idolatry. The kings of Israel will be full of failings of this sort. They'll abandon the covenant. They'll worship false gods. They'll be led astray by their wives and things of pagan, from pagan nations. But we see that David has this fundamental fidelity. Yes, he sins big. He lies. He commits adultery. He commits murder. But he repents and writes beautiful psalms about God's mercy and that repentance is forgiveness. And David himself even shows mercy to Saul. Like David will, will grow to be this great military figure under Saul. And finally, there's this conflict between the two and war and things. And we see that you know, Saul uh, kills himself, falls on his sword. But David, in all of this, shows great deference to the Lord's anointed. And that's part of this hesed, this fidelity to the covenant, God's anointed. So finally, towards the end of his life, David wants to build a house uh, for the Lord, for the ark, to, to house the ark, a temple. And this most important prophecy that's given to David, that the Lord says, would you build me a house? And he goes on to say, I will build you a house, the house of David. And in, in Samuel, Samuel, I think Second Samuel 7 says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So the house that God builds for David will have no end. This kingdom will have no end. And even he goes on to say, too, about David's descendants, you know, that he will be a father to them, and they shall be my sons. David rules from 1010 to 970 BC. His kingdom lasts 400 years to the, the Babylonian captivity, to you know, the 6th century BC. The line is cut off there, but, David, but Jesus comes in the line of David. He is from the house of David. So he is the fulfillment of that kingdom. He establishes it forever. So Jesus himself, the Son of God, who's the perfect Son, is the perfect King and establishes his kingdom. We see that in the Gospels. He proclaims the kingdom of God. When he's lifted up on the cross, Pilate nails that. He's King of the Jews, nails that to the cross. So he establishes this kingdom that lasts forever. So in all of this, we see in great human weakness, we see God's grace and his strength. And I couldn't help but think of St. Paul's line from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He tells us, For consider your call, brother, not many of you are wise according to the flesh. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chooses what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, 
so that no flesh might boast in the presence of God. Paul would say as well, when I am weak, then I am strong, right? Because he depends on the Lord. You know, this whole call for a king was an offense to God. He was to be the king of Israel. And they go to Samuel. They say, you know, because we had the call of Abraham. We had 400 years of captivity. They have the time of judges. And then the people want a king. They go to Samuel. They want a king. And he takes offense at this. You know, God is to be the king of the people. And, you know, Samuel takes it personally, but God tells him, why are you offended? It's me they're rejecting. And the reason is, they say, because they want to be like other nations who have a king to fight their battles. That they can be a strong nation among others. That they can rely on this worldly way of doing things, of battle and things, to conquer other nations and not rely on the Lord. And Samuel warns them that, okay, you can have a king. He's going to tax you. He's going to take your sons and daughters. He's going to you know, have these military conquests. He's going to draft your sons into battle. There's going to be, he's going to rule like a worldly king. But in all that, I think there's a message that we are to place Jesus at the center, that he is our king. He is to fight our battles, that he defeats our enemies. He defeats sin and death through his paschal mystery. Jesus conquers sin and death. He conquers sin in our life in a personal way, that through faith and repentance, drawing close to the Lord and the sacraments, being part of his kingdom, experiencing his lordship over us, he fights our battles today. And we're uncomfortable with that. We want to be like other people. We want to do things the way the world does with self-sufficiency and personal strength. We're not comfortable with being weak. But the good news is that God draws close to our weakness, to our poverties, in ways that we need him. He can come into our life and fill us with his spirit to strengthen us. Those poverties, those weaknesses are God's opportunity in our life that we make him king, not ourselves, that we don't operate as the world does by our own strength. You know, he, he judges and chooses not by appearances, and I think part of that meaning is that, you know, he doesn't need the great things of the world to achieve his purposes, and he's not even drawn to us for what we can give him in a worldly or material sense. My talent, my beauty, whatever it is. He wants us. He wants our hearts. He sees the heart. He wants the heart. He wants our love. And sometimes we can draw back because of our weaknesses, but God wants our heart. He loves us in our weaknesses. He's merciful to, towards us. I mean, we, we take this for granted, but this is real revelation. Mercy 
forgiveness, and love. That doesn't come natural to pagan religions. Oftentimes, if you look in man's history, the pagan religions, they're terrified of God. There's no concept of forgiveness. There's no concept of humility. All this is given to us in Jesus. Forgiveness, a model of humility, that Jesus is the Son. He stands before the Father, dependent on the Father. Even though he's truly man, truly God, he still is doing the will of the Father. So he shows us how to live this submission to the Father's will by being humble, by doing his will, by carrying the cross in his life, those difficulties, the sufferings that Jesus embraces for us. He shows us how to be God's possession. We hear that throughout the Old Testament. You know, Israel was to be God's chosen people, set, afar, set apart to belong especially to him, to belong to him. We are called as well to be set apart from this world, not to belong to the world, not to do things as the world does, but to live by faith and dependence on the Lord.